On today's episode, we'll be discussing Manchester City's recent financial fair play ruling, the Premier League winter break, and the winners and losers from the January transfer window. As well as that, we'll have a new sporting focus alternative for you. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Mainly Football Podcast. I'm your host, Mikey Partington, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, George Carden and Jack Heal. How are you doing, lads? Very good, thank you. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, thanks. How are you doing, Jack? Yeah, not bad. No, Quiet not in the bad, corner then. over there. Quiet in the corner. I've been shoved to the shoved to the horrible chair today. This there is usually know. the well, point. Say, usually well, the point in the episode where we ask you what you've been doing this week and you tell us that you've been watching lots of football and working hard. There's not been that much football <laughs> though this week after. And uh, not so much working hard, to be honest, if I think about it. No? None of, none of each? Nice little Valentine's Day Friday and then Sunday <laughs> just watched a couple of games with footy and that was, that was the weekend. Well, we will talk about the lack of Premier League football over the weekend, the winter break, in the episode. But we will start with the, I suppose, surprise, you could say, announcement of Manchester City's financial fair play dealings on Friday. Obviously, City, at the moment, we know they're probably going to appeal it, but subject to appeal, they will face a two-year ban from European football and find £25 million, £30 million for uh, breaches of financial fair play regulations. Now, we'll get into the gory details as we go on, but I think I want to get your thoughts on it, lads, obviously. We've not seen anything like this in English football probably ever. But we will start on your thoughts, lads. Obviously, we want to get the City perspective and the footballing perspective. So I'll start with you, Jack, obviously, as a City fan. What are your thoughts on it? It was a big shock, a very big shock. It's something I did not expect whatsoever. I was at my grandparents, and my granddad got a notification on One Football, and it just said, One Football, Man City banned from Champions League. And I was like, What? <laughs> and then I was like, Nah, surely can't be right. And then I just had a read into it, read a few bits on the athletic and believe it or not it was true um potentially two years i think when we take it to the court of arbitra- arbitration for sport um and appeal it because city feel there's been no wrongdoing from their side and it seems they're also trying to take down uefa's side of things as well that um yeah i think i think it'll probably be down to a year but we'll have to see what did you make of the statement that city put out obviously i read it a few hours after the announcement had been made, and I thought it was quite strong. It was almost like they were kind of expecting this ruling to come through, and they, I suppose they're ready to fight it, if you like. I think from City's uh, stance, that's what it seems to be, a source um, a unity and defiance against UEFA. As uh, the, It seems to be that they're more motivated than ever from Sam Lee's insight on the athletic. Um, to kind of prove UEFA, I think one of the sources was quoted as saying, if UEFA don't love, it, love us, F it, we'll show them, or F them, we'll show them. As if to say, if we're not going to get any love from UEFA in the Champions League this season, we mean business. Yeah. So I think, I, I'm just saying, I said it at, at the start of the year, I said this year or next, City are winning the Champions League, and I am more sure than ever. I suppose you've got that motivation now, as that future's uncertain but that means even if you win it you're not you're not gonna you just wouldn't be able to get it next season obviously but do you think but, there's an extra motivation though because obviously City would have the last year in it for potentially two years but are the players more motivated to lift a trophy that they've just been banned from yeah because it's think? almost like proving yeah are the pl- well the, all the players can do is do their best on the pitch and if they win it that shows well then the Champions League is 
done and dusted Aguero can <laughs> after all these reports after years he can finally move on it'll be Silva's last trophy lift if it were to happen and I just think it'd be a fairy tale ending to a somewhat strange story it'd be quite, even though it's even though it's the start of the new decade it'd be like I can imagine well with with this Champions League ban and those sort of older players leaving over well Silva this season Aguero probably next um his contract's expiring next season, isn't it? Uh, two years. Two years. Fernandinho's it? now next season. But, um, it's almost like a changing of the guard, like you say. And um, so it would be quite fitting. So, George, obviously, I was quite surprised hearing it. I'm sure most of the footballing world was surprised. From an outside view, obviously, not the City perspective, I suppose, a more footballing perspective. What were your thoughts on it and your immediate reactions? Because it is a bit of a shock, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things I remember seeing on Twitter, like BBC or something, and um, it's kind of doesn't when you first read it, you're like, is that real? And like, you know, sometimes you see those accounts that pretend to be real yeah. with like some emoji. You have to check if it's and verified. Yeah, that's properly. literally what I did because it's kind of one of those things that you wouldn't expect to actually happen. Yeah. And then it's only like now, a few days after, that you realise the magnitude of of uh, sort of what the situation is. Um, obviously, there's been all those videos going around of the city lawyers with the music <laughs> like the, the army the army of city lawyers yeah. but so i don't think they'll um go sort of go without a struggle no, we, we won't go down easily i think it'll but be I a mean, case of you can't you can't deny that there's wrongdoing there i suppose yeah well i think what what it seems to be is that city have lied or altered some or are said to have altered some of the inco uh, rev sponsorship revenue yeah so obviously we'll have to see what CAS says and I what thought it that was comes down to. To do with transfers with um it's like to do with making the transfers not look quite as expensive as they actually are. I th I, th I think what it could be is that I'm I'm not I'm not sure on every single in and out but I think if that city have spent so much on transfers then they've tried to may or I don't know may or may not but this is what I seem to gauge from it that mm. they may have by the sounds of reports tried to look like make the sponsorship revenue seem it's basically clever higher, accounting isn't higher it? yeah to compensate for that so obviously we'll have to see what CAS says hopefully um the ban is well, I doubt I doubt it'll be lifted with such a strong I mean the thing is here you surely say of City's defense they'll they'll talk about well surely PSG they everyone know there's gonna be other clubs that have Def City can't be the only be club. Like a spiral in effect. I so it could almost be the sort of well, City say if you're going to do this to us, look at PSG, look at maybe Real Madrid. Yeah. Um, I don't know that maybe even United. You don't know sort yeah, of yeah. with their dealings. Um, it's one of those sort of situations where it's kind of like sort of the whole house of cards will fall. Maybe. But I agree, but it, well, because if you've got if you question City and what they've done and how hard UEFA have come down on them, look at PSG signing Neymar and yeah. Mbappe in one yeah. season. How can you fund that? Yeah. So, and I think it comes down to FFP again. I was talking to Mikey about this, and that FFP is designed effective. Well, for example, United, a club who are struggling with, well, not struggling, but have quite a lot of debt. In debt yeah. yeah, they are allowed to run freely in Europe, whatever. But City, who have no debt and are making profit, mm. then obviously that's helped by the owners, but they're then penalised for this, and it's all. It's it's a strange it's, system. It's balancing that thing, isn't it, between having, as we were talking about off air, about natural growth in a club, you know, not being able to just, you know, have these new owners who, you know, inject all this money and have this, you know, this massive rise over a certain time, and obviously protecting, which a lot of people are calling the elite clubs. Mm. What? How do you think they get that balance right? 
I don't know. Nah? <laughs> that is not one for me to say because I'll just I'll leave it to those with more knowledge on it because it's too mm. t- the, it, uh, with FFP there's so many ins and outs that yeah. I could not tell you a, a real true perspective unless I was right inside in a way just, just to carry on from that um, you talk about sort of protecting the bigger clubs and stuff but I think in a way there's almost too much money now that clubs have and it's they're getting this money and like especially with the Champions League it's it's kind of it can make up to like one third of their revenue I remember reading I think it's like Akira Maguire piece or a few tweets of his um, and he does all the financial stuff with football Um, and it's sort of a massive loss for teams like City but then there's there's so much football now that teams become reliant on being in these competitions and it's kind of an unsustainable model I suppose that's that's we've had obviously City have been linked with this thing you know even if it's just been jokes you know people have said Oh, City are spending too much money. They're going to get done by financial fair play. And it's finally come round. How has it been allowed to happen in a sense that this is a football club? These people running it are businessmen at the highest level. How have they been allowed to, you know, kind of make these things up and get around it? Because at the end of the day, it shouldn't be happening. I think it all came to fruition, obviously, through the football leaks. Guy who's still in prison, actually. I saw it, yeah. Um, so, obviously, it wouldn't. Had he not have exposed it, it may have may not have come out. We don't know. Um, but it's kind of one of them things where it's gone under the works. And but I, th- I think with like bringing back to what you said before about how do you combat it for natural growth, I think there's got to be. Uh, City obviously have high levels of sponsorship, high levels of revenue, um, and that's not only just through signings or wages or whatever coming out. They obviously have a lot coming in. So I think it's getting that balance right between not only putting money in, but also making the club sustainable. So, for example, I think if you're heavily debt-ridden, that should put an impact on it as well. So, for example, that United can't sign a £47 million player if they are losing or in so, so much debt. I don't, I don't know exactly, but do you know what I mean? As yeah. In, you shouldn't be able to have it one way and not the other. It's got yeah. to be... From both sides, I think what they, without knowing all the details of financial fair fair play, like you said, surely because you know you, you have all the FFP rules and the regulations, and you can be on course to to be breaking it or or whatever. But then, surely it shouldn't have to come down to a panel. They should say, if you're if you're over this sort of threshold, threshold yeah. then you should you're you're banned from next season. And that should be the thing that any club. Doesn't, but obviously that's that, that's the problem, I suppose. If teams are hiding it like City did, through their clever accounting and stuff, um, that's what you, it's going to lead to. Maybe more of that, but there, a bit there needs to be some sort of cap, I suppose. But then it's something that's so impossible to kind of control. Well, we could talk about it all day. Obviously, the different ins and outs. We don't really know them too well. Obviously, we've only seen what we've been given. But is UEFA cracking down on this kind of thing a good or a bad thing? I think it's a it's a good thing overall, but I think UEFA and City have a bit of history, and it feels like more of a political thing too, rather than just doing it for the good of football. Yeah. In my opinion, I, I don't really know all the details between UEFA and City, like and there, but I know that there's obviously City fans boo the Champions League anthem yeah. and stuff, and there's not there's not a good relationship there. So I think whilst it's impossible to say, I feel like it's not just UEFA doing it just for the good of football. 
I think there's been incidents in the past. I think when Yaya Torre, Torre was uh, racially abused in a Champions League away game, the fine was minimal. And um, I think it was, you correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was at CSKA Moscow. Yeah, yeah. They shut down the, well, it was said it was meant to be played in front of an empty stadium. CSKA fans still got in, were still allowed in after all of that. Um, I think we've been fined significant amount of money for starting a game a minute late. It's a lot of, petty things yeah. or not petty but they've they've either gone too overboard or not strong enough and touched it touched on it too lightly for example the racism thing so i think city have a lot of issues with uefa and it seemed obviously that if they're going to crack down on financial fair play fine but do it for everyone make sure it's not just uh manchester mm. city doing yeah. this so we'll crack hard on manchester city i'd like to see it done well, across the board. But the question is as well, is this guy who's now in prison who exposed these accounts or whatever, um, why, why would he just expose City? Like, and would you, would that be something that UEFA want? Is that something that they... Well, obviously, it's, it's supposedly a leak, but is that something they would have wanted? Or, sure, because why, why would it just be against City? It just seems a bit... I well, know, one thing I will say is that I think, obviously... The amount of clubs that UEFA look over and the way football is today, I'd be very surprised if it was just City who have breached these rules. I'd be very, very yeah. surprised. One thing, but it is at the moment, and obviously that's all we know. So all we can do is, I suppose, look forward to the impact on City. They're out of the Premier League title race. A tough tie coming up in the last 16 of the Champions League against Real Madrid. Um, still in the FA Cup and Carabao Cup final next month. What what impacts, if anything, will it have this season on the club, if not from the summer and beyond? Um, well, I see it's a tough one, really. When it comes down to players and manager, I know, well, from, well, I don't know, but from reports, it seems like Pep's said, look, I'm, I'm with you guys, as in, I'm not leaving, I'm not going anywhere. Um, I'm going to see out my contract. And mm. apparently Raheem Sterling is, is the first one to kind of publicly say, Although I've not seen it been done publicly, I don't know whether it means within the training ground that he won't that he yeah. won't be moving on. Um, although from that same Samley article, some inside an insider close to City did say that can see players moving on. That wouldn't surprise me if we went two years without Champions League football. I think it's only natural. But no, it'd be interesting to see who was who was to stay on. I, I think a, a large majority would stay. I think it's been blown out of proportion slightly in terms of the effect it could have with Pep saying that Pepper leaves Sterling, De Bruyne, Aguero. I don't think that'll be the case. Yeah. But um, I think in terms of this Premier League season, it'll be interesting because if there's nothing to fight for in the Premier League, that'll be nice to see a lot of rotation and potential new systems implemented and trying new things with different players that we've not yet seen this season um, or we've not seen enough of. But I think bringing it back to who could take City's place, that is very much up for grabs. I think between 5th in Spurs and 11th Burnley, there's six play, six points between it. Yeah. Mm. Obviously, I'm not saying Burnley are going to get top five. You can't mm. rule them out. The same but points as Arsenal, isn't ex it? So. Exactly. That's what I mean. I think it is very much... It's made a season where Liverpool have been the top dog throughout, been incredible, mm. and the title race very... Well, not... Well, predictable now, obviously, yeah. with us being so far behind, but it very much opens the gap for another Champions League spot. Mm. 
I think that's a foregone conclusion, obviously. It has been for a few months that Liverpool are going to win the league, but we're going to talk about a bit about the impact on the rest of the Premier League season. Obviously, it's not been completely confirmed yet, if I'm right, but I think fifth place will get a Champions League spot this year. Seems so. Yeah? Well, yeah, I think that's the, that's the sort of murmurs that are going on. So you've got, like Jack's just said there, you've got teams from, obviously it's, it'll be between the fourth and fifth positions that those teams will fight for, but you're looking at eight teams all the way down to Burnley who are within touching distance. And we were talking about there's a few teams in there, obviously, Sheffield United, Wolves, Burnley, who would have probably never dreamed of Champions League football at the start of the season. What sort of impact do you think it will have on them? Obviously, they've played so well this season, particularly Sheffield United and Wolves, to now have this thing where it's like, if you keep playing as you are, you could pretty much get Champions League football. Yeah, I think now with that added incentive, it'll probably probably become more of a gap developing. I don't think we'll see this bridge from like 13th to, to yeah. 5th pretty much. Um, I think the teams that are right within that, I don't think we'll, don't think we'll see Burnley rising up. I don't think that's going to be sort of, well, they're still so close to relegation. I don't think they yeah. can really think about Champions League. But um, I think City, not City, Sheffield United, um, Wolves, obviously Manchester United now have got that sort of incentive. Arsenal aren't far off, although it'd be a big ask for them to turn it around and the other teams to drop points. But um, I think it just gives those teams that have been having, well, Wolves and Sheffield United, they've been having a fantastic season. United and Arsenal, pretty poor seasons. It kind of gives them that lifeline, I'd say. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say it's kind of adds an incentive for about four or five teams to get that bonus spot. I saw a strange statistic. Well, one, not strange, but one I couldn't get my head around that since Mourinho's been in charge at Spurs, he's taken either the second or the joint second most points Really? Um, tw- yeah. 26 since he's been in charge. That was a match of the day last, last. It was behind Leicester and Liverpool, I believe. I think I think he might have been joint with Liverpool or Le- uh, joint with Leicester or Leicester were just behind. Liverpool yeah. were in the 40s yeah. and then Spurs were 26th, either joint or just ahead of someone. But I think I, th- I think Spurs are definitely up there. I'd, and then the other two teams I'd put in that bracket, I'd be, well, if they can keep playing the way they are, Sheffield United and Wolves. I think it might be too much of an ask for United and Arsenal at the moment, but I'm going to, if I was to put names down, I'd say Spurs definitely should be in and around there. And as an outsider, obviously <laughs> now an insider, being having been so good this season, I'd probably say Sheffield, United and Wolves really should fancy the chances. Mm. I think obviously with the seasons that, you know, we've put a lot of praise on the likes of Chris Wilder and Nuno for the way their teams have performed. Do you think it's led to a bit of a underestimation of the likes of Chelsea, Spurs, Arsenal, United? Because they've not been great by any standards, but is that the way the Premier League is, particularly this season? Um, I think, that, well, you've had teams like Arsenal who were in a bit of a, I wouldn't say a mess under Emery, but there there wasn't sort of, con- it's not really a word, but contentness around the club, if you know what I mean. There wasn't, it wasn't sort of settled. Same with, same with uh, Chelsea after... On, under Sarri last season but then now you've got teams like Sheffield United Wolves obviously in the second season in the Prem sort of coming up and playing with an identity um, and I think the sort of mixture of the bigger clubs at Arsenal and United being in a bit of a transition in a bit of disarray I think the teams that come up and play that style um, it kind of caters for them doesn't it it allows them to sort of come up and play their football and exploit these sort of the weak Arsenal defence for example yeah 
presuming that Liverpool and Leicester are not nailed on for champ. Well, Liverpool will be, but presuming that Liverpool and Leicester get Champions League football, who else makes the other two spots? Chelsea, Spurs. I think I know it's quite typical. Yeah, obviously to go with the um, some bigger clubs, more more renowned clubs for the Champions League spaces. But I think if you're looking at can they sustain it, though Wolves and Sheffield United have showed no signs of slowing down. I think in terms of that know-how and experience, Spurs certainly have the upper hand in that respect. Yeah, Gosh. I mean the only thing I'd say, well, Spurs had so many chances against Villa. Which is kind of good and bad. Yeah. Son, Son squandered a lot, really. But uh, I'd say I put Wolves in that sort really? of category. I think they've got that bit more quality than Sheffield United. Yeah. Um, Raul Jimenez is having a fantastic season already. That uh, he's someone I've been watching loads. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, and also if you look at the Europa campaign, they did really well in that. Yeah. Um, still going. Still, still in it, obviously. Um, so I think they've kind of they know that they can get well do well in a European competition so I'm sure for them depending on how they do this season in the Europa I think they could look ahead to the Champions League Wolves and who else? Probably Chelsea I think Chelsea? I think, Tot- I think Tottenham they've been whilst they've got a lot of points under Mourinho they, they still are quite leaky in defence yeah. I think mm. so I don't know I think that they won't they've kind of edged, edged a lot of games so it, I, I suppose it kind of places the importance on that Chelsea United game on Monday night obviously this will probably go out on Tuesday yeah. So yeah. if you listen to this, you'll probably know the result of that already. But quickly, what's yours, Mikey? It's three and four, quick go. I'm going Spurs and United, mate. Oh, I've got to put United in there. I can't not. I think it'll be interesting to see the impact of obviously Bruno and even Agallo coming in. And obviously, you've got McTominay, Pogba, Rashford to come back. So I think it'll be interesting. But it definitely sets us up for a really interesting two months. So next, we're going to move. We're going to stay in the Premier League, obviously, and we're going to go on to the topic of the winter break obviously the last two weeks it's been split so half the Premier League teams had a week two weeks off whilst the other half played and I mean there's only been what five games a week and every game's been televised but there's only been two games a day and it doesn't really feel like a proper Premier League weekend obviously you've got other European leagues who have breaks everyone goes off at the same time they'll have two or three weeks and they'll all come back and everything will resume I just want to get your thoughts on if you're a fan of it or not, because I know certainly for me on Saturday, I like having all these Premier League games going on, you know, mm. big on fantasy football. I like seeing all my players playing. Yeah. What What are your thoughts think, on it? Well, especially with the TV stuff, um, and especially this season of Amazon, BT and Sky, it's meant not even just this weekend, in the past few weeks, it's been the whole season really, where um, quite often you'll have sort of games staggered out throughout the weekend, which is can, is nice. Obviously, it's nice when you've got a full sort of Saturday or yeah. maybe a mostly full Saturday and then the Sunday as well. Well, yeah, I think like what George says about the t- what's happening with the TV, I think it's more of a broadcasting deal as in Sky or BT or whoever will want, so they'll want that con- continuity even if it means having half the amount of games they, they'd normally have, they can still have set amount of games and uh, still have a Super Sunday tw- two weeks in a row rather than going one week without it, they obviously will. So I think it's more to kind of compromise for the broadcasting, but I think in retrospect, really, beggars can't be choosers in that we've got a break and that the players still get their week off and whatnot. So I think that's a good. it's obviously a good thing, and I think to have it all at once with 
how commercial the Premier League is would be too much to ask. So I just think yeah. it's, it's think one of ne- the cases. Next season, though, they need to sort of work it out with the, F- with the FA Cup because we had a bit of controversy. Yeah, yeah obviously you've got with... the... Obviously, we had that in January, but you've got the fifth round games coming up next month that are all being played in midweek. Mm. So that's something a little bit different. And obviously, we've had these different dates with the season so far. It's been... I can't remember a season like this before where you've had all these different games going on at different times. Yeah. And not like I've lost track a bit. Some yeah, sometimes you're just like you're at home and you look at your Sky Sport Sky Sports app and you're like, didn't realise Yeah. Like, I was again half that. the time you don't realise teams are supposed to be playing or whatever. So are you a fan of this winter break? Obviously Jack, I know you said with the commercial side it probably wouldn't work to do it like, for example, the Bundesliga do it. What, for next season, obviously, we've already seen the Premier League are willing to change the summer transfer window back to how it was. Mm. C- can you see the Premier League wanting to change it to be more like the European leagues and more aligned with that? No, I think it'll stay the same as in with how the winter break's been this year. Obviously, with with, with it being so commercial, it's too much to ask to have a complete no football weekend. But I think, obviously, bringing it back to what you said before, I think the FA Cup should stay on a Saturday. I think that, mm. that's tradition. I think it should stay like that. But obviously things are going to have to be altered for the Qatar World Cup as well, mm. as in they're going to gradually have to transition um, schedules and stuff. So, no, I think yeah. the Premier League should kind of stick to stick to the rotor of this year, really, or similar. Yeah, I mean, also, on, on another note, it's just a bit off, top, off topic, but it just had me thinking. Um, in terms of the FA Cup, and I know we're not really talking about this, but to get a bit more sort of importance into it, and we saw Liverpool scrape past Shrewsbury, and um, I feel like maybe with this extra Champions League place, it, it should be something like they put it in, on the FA Cup, yeah. rather than put an, an extra space in the in the Premier League. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's something that's most likely not going to happen. A bit late now, mate. Yeah, yeah. You I, know, th- I think hopefully obviously they listen to me. But we'll um, talk about it a bit more. I think in I think the FA Cup games, fifth round games, are two or three weeks away. So I'm sure we'll talk more about obviously the impact that Pep and Jurgen Klopp have had. Mm-hmm. on the FA Cup this season and perhaps it being undermined because <gasps> it has been different. He plays a full team yeah. every He plays week. a full team, but he's With got that full team. Yes, but he still plays it. Got that de- I know, but he said in he said in press conferences and you know he said different things about the uh, FA Cup. We'll, sa- we'll save that for a, we'll not, that yeah, debate for another exactly. episode. But we will stay with the whole winter theme and obviously it's our first analysis episode since the January transfer window. So we want to go over... I suppose some winners and losers from the window. I think we're going to go through our best signings, our weirdest signings, and yeah, we'll do we'll do a few winners and losers and the impact on the rest of the season. So we'll start with you, George. Why not? <sighs> Should we go around and give a winner first, and then yeah, let's go around because I'm under. I feel like I feel under pressure. Round robin and all that. <laughs> let's start on a positive. So winners from a January transfer window, as in teams or anyone. Okay. I'd Who's say won? I'd say teams, then losers, okay. and then best and winners. Yeah, yeah, okay. I've got a couple of winners in mind. I think I'd probably put Villa up there as they've addressed the concerns. They've signed Samata, Reina. I'm not I'm not convinced by Drinkwater anymore, but they needed a goalkeeper, mm. they needed a striker, and they brought two strikers in, obviously Borja Baston as well. I think Brighton have won as well, um, bringing Moyen on a permanent deal, and I really like the sound of Tariq Lamptey. Yeah. You don't have to say Brighton just because George is there. You, you can. <laughs> I'm allowed my own opinion, thank you very much. <laughs> Um, and I think United have done well as well getting Fernandez. They need a number ten. They've got a number <laughs> ten. So they they'd be my three winners. Although I'd put 
Villa and Brighton ahead of United, just based on yeah. what they yeah. needed. No, I agree. Yeah, to, be, uh, to be fair, I'd agree, I'd agree with Villa. Um, Rayner had a really good game yesterday. Um, He's still got it. Yeah, I mean, he looks he looks a bit slow still, as in trying to, when he those those second balls when he saves it, he's a bit slow off the mark. But he, he referenced in the penalty. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then I thought he should have had more support there. Yeah, he, he was very angry, but then yeah, but he had not going to deny it. He made him, he made about ten saves, didn't he? Mm. But um, just to be biased, and I'm, I'm going to say Brighton. Put just to obviously Aaron Moy, very underrated signing. Um, done extremely well for us this season and um, it's a really enjoyable player to watch. Um, one of the sort of few players who's, although he did give away the ball for a goal a few, last week, but um, he's been sort of ever-present this season. Um, Tarek Lamptey, I think, is another really good signing. Last we've already got two right-backs. Um, Montoya, he's a very sort of Marmite player within the Brighton fan base. As in, What does that mean? As in, in you either like love him or hate him. <laughs> oh, why so, didn't I get that? Um, I love that. <laughs> so basically, yeah, I'm, I'm personally not the biggest fan of him. I, I think he's sort of, he's consistent enough, but he doesn't really offer enough for a modern fullback, in my opinion. Um, Shalotto, he's also a bit of a Marmite player, but I think Lamptey is someone for the sort of years ahead. And then obviously, uh, Alexi McAllister, who we signed last season, um, finally got his work permit in January. He's been tearing it up for Boca this season on loan and then um, been tearing it up for the Argentina under 23s and been called up to the senior squad. Um, I think he's been given number 10 as well. So I think he won't come straight into the sides, but this sort of second half of the season, he's like a completely new signing, obviously. Um, so I'm very excited about what he can do. I'll give you a quick one. I'll go Chris Wilder. I think Sheffield United have a squad which everyone has to do their job. I think they've got a tight-knit group. He's kept all of those players together. Obviously, there's a few links with different players moving away. Um, he's added to that. He's brought in Sanderberg from Genk. Obviously, a massive upgrade. You know, One of the highly rated young midfielders yeah. in Europe. We were and supposed to sign up. We were supposed to sign him this summer. But, yeah, uh, and he's added depth as well. Obviously, he's brought in experience in Jack Rodwell, and he's kept the group together. And I think that's so important. Yeah, the way that Sheffield United have started the season and that whole philosophy. I think he's had a really good window. He's uh, haven't they loaned out Ravel Morrison as well? Yeah, Ravel Morrison has gone out on loan. Hasn't worked once again. Well, <laughs> to, um, to be fair, I don't. I don't know. Has he gone to Middlesbrough? I think it is. Yeah. I think he just needs a case of game time. That'll be interesting. I yeah. think Callum Robinson has gone to um, West Brom as well. I think that's a oh, good nice. move for him to get more regular, sustained game time because he was bright, bright spark for West Brom over the weekend. Yeah, yeah. So no, it'll be interesting. Right, we're going to do this quickly. Best signing and weirdest signing. We'll start with best signings. Actually, do you want to do some losers or? Yeah, we'll do. A few you got some losers. losers? Go on. Uh, if we're going to go to losers next, I'm going to go with Norwich. Yeah. I don't think they've. I know they've brought in a couple of players. They brought in Roop, I think, from mm. the Bundesliga. Yeah. Whereas yeah. I don't think they've got enough. I don't. I didn't think they had enough quality anyway, and I don't think they've reinforced that at all. No. Um. I think they could have done a lot more. So I think they're a dead certainty to go down. Even though we all predicted Watford and Saints to go down. It's really. It's really season. strange of Norwich as well because they've kind of kept with their team, but then they've really underinvested, and it kind of shows now. And they, they're they played well at times as well. They, they just, play well, but they just haven't got that depth, or I wouldn't say they've got that overall quality. So it's kind of I'd be a bit disappointed as a Nor if I was a Norwich fan after sort of that dominant season last year just to sort of go out so easily really. Mm. Well, who knows? Because 
Leicester were in that position a few years ago and look what happened. So True. And I've got one more loser, although I think the two signings were good and particularly at right back what they needed, more depth and they've brought in a centre-back for cover. Uh, I think Arsenal yeah. have made some good business, but both the signings are currently injured <laughs> and I think they could have, well, they obviously could have done with them. Um, fit and firing but we'll have to see how they come on but I think Pablo Mari and Cedric is a decent bit of business for Arsenal so I'll put them somewhere in between George have you got any? No? Um, I'll go with just off the back of what's happened in the last few weeks obviously City now potentially not having Champions League football um, it can perhaps be difficult to attract the best players and obviously we know there's a lack of depth at centre-back personally before the um the thing came out on Friday. I thought that they'd, you know, underdone the January transfer window. I thought underdone, mate. I'm struggling for words today. <laughs> um, no, I think they didn't do enough in terms of addressing that centre back position. Obviously, we've seen injuries, um, company going in the summer, and I think it'll be even harder now. Obviously, it's, it's still a big club, and we've seen with the likes of United, you know, in recent years, still able to attract players even when they've not got that European football. Same with Arsenal. So it'll be interesting to see, but. Sitting here right now, I think it's difficult, you know, looking forward for City to try and attract, you know, the top, top mm. centre-backs that they would have been able to attract had they had the Champions League. Yeah, so City taking the biggest L of the window. To, just a quick note on that, to be fair, I think apart from Skriniar, I wouldn't actually say we'd go in for one of the top, top. Yeah. I think Diaz and there's another lad, uh, I think it's a Villarreal centre-back, who we've been linked to, I think we'll kind of keep with that vision of youthful Slightly expensive, but promising enough to vote, uh, to make it worthwhile. So I think, yeah, we we could have done more, um, but I think that would have required Otamendi to go, to be honest. But if we're going to move on to quickly just best and weirdest. Yeah. Mikey, do you want to go first? Yeah, best signing. I think I'm just going to go straight out. Just going to go straight out there and put it, I think, factual. I think Erling Haaland to Dortmund. I think that's the best signing you've seen. He's probably the most wanted signature this month in European football, and I think going to Dortmund was the right move, and you've already seen that's worked out in the first few games. So, yeah, I'll go with that. And I think the weirdest one, I don't want to call it weird because I see the potential there. I see why it's been done, but I think I'd be lying if I didn't look at Igalo. It is, yeah. Actually, that is. It's well, it's just, it's just a surprising one. I don't we, think it's not a bad it. one, but then it's it's obviously January. We it's not depth as limited up options. Front. But if you would have said to me on January first that United were going to sign Odi and Agallo, I would have been. I mm. wouldn't have had any words for you. So I think that's why. But I can see why it is, and I hope he does well. George, yeah. what's that worth? Worth signing? No, best and weirdest. Best and weirdest. Um, I think in terms of for the summer, so not this season. I think. ZX to Chelsea is a really good one, um, if we can count that. Um, we'll let you have we'll it. <laughs> yeah, let, just about. Just on the February side. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, and then yeah, probably Agarlo is the, the weirdest, most unexpected signing. Fair enough. I'll, I'll probably put mine, my best one, I did have Sander Berge yeah. as well. I think he's absolutely quality. I remember mm. when you were, well, that fake news came up about United <laughs> getting him down for a medical. I was very frustrated because, well, for United, I think he's an absolutely incredible signing, and 
for Sheffield United. He will be that. I think it's strange because I always had in my mind as, him as a holding midfielder, press resistant, great on the ball, great turning out. And he seems to be used as a number eight with Oli Norwood still yeah, a bit yeah. deeper. But I think he seems to be the complete midfielder. And mm. in the next year, 18 months, I could see a £50 million offer, £60 million yeah, he'll be a, he'll be at a big club soon. Easily. Um, not that Sheffield United aren't. Um, and my weirdest, I'm going to go with Pablo Mari. Obviously, having been at City um, just a couple of years ago, a couple of loans across the CFG, Nat Breda, Girona, and then I think it was at Deportivo La Coruña as well, albeit not CFG. Ended oh, up bloody hell, Wikipedia. <laughs> Someone's done his research. Just reading off memory, mate. <laughs> and then um, obviously been at Flamengo, um, and they've done the league and Copa de Libertadores double. So he's obviously impressed there, been on, potentially been on Arteta's radar through the CFG. Who's this? Pablo Mari. Oh, okay. I, I thought you were going to say the name. And oh, I was like, no. I already said it. But I'd also put um, Bergvine as well as a quality Yeah, he, he's been decent for Spurs so far. Now, we, we will talk about the Champions League next week, obviously. Champions League football returns in midweek, as does the Europa League. Obviously, the ties are now split between the weeks. So we will, um, we will go through that next week and obviously review the first few games and look ahead to the next and obviously our expectations for that season. So we're going to go on to a bit of a new feature now. I think it's more of a sporting focus alternative. We haven't got a wheel, a, a name for it yet, but as you can probably Lem-wheel. tell that it has got something to do with the wheel. So basically we're going to have a bit of a debate and the winner of that debate will be settled, settled by a Twitter poll on our account. Mm-hmm. Um, so basically we've got 10 different things, 10 different um, things that you can argue for, I suppose, 10 different categories. We've put them on a wheel and we're going to spin it and whatever it comes out with, we've got to argue for a certain point. It could be, you know, for example, it could be the best goal in Premier League history. You've got to argue for that and you guys get to decide the winner on Twitter. So we'll go through that, a bit of mid-episode unpredictability. End of episode on unpredictability. So I've really. got the categories on my phone. We won't need to know them all, but what what we've done is we've put one to ten on the wheel. They are numbered, so we'll uh, let, let's see what we're going for today, then. Ooh. This is brilliant. This Ooh. is the unpredictability. Right, seventh. Ooh, George, this is one, I think. This was Ooh. one I put in for George. Oh. Yes. Best Brighton signing ever. Best, best bull striker. This one's an interesting one, and this is really going to test us here. So the first one that we're going to argue for, best ever team promoted to the Premier League from the Championship in terms of that team at that time coming up into the Premier League. Uh, to be fair, I'm not even going to say Brighton. No? Uh, I'll, argue, I'll argue Wolves yeah. when they came up last season. I think they invest, obviously invested a lot of money. Um, but I think in terms of quality and how they did in that season and Ruben Neves in that promotion season um, and also obviously all the other players they had, Cavalero, who's now at Fulham. But uh, I think in terms of quality, they did. I think in terms of the best football, obviously you got Newcastle in 2009-10 under Hewton. But I think in terms of the best football and I would say Brighton in 16-17, obviously yeah. we finished second and bottled the championship. But... Um, the sort of in terms of like the actual player ratings every week, I would argue that that was that every player played out their skin for us that season. But I'd say in terms of quality, Wolves. Fair so play. you're going for that Wolves one from 
last season. From yeah, yeah. when they got promoted in seventeen eighteen. What about last season? Wait, didn't they get promoted in Seven, seventeen eighteen? And the... correct. Yeah, my bad. So yeah, what about you, Jack? Uh, yeah, because I remember them playing us in the cup. Um, I'd say quality Sheffield United right now. No recency bias. Just they are playing some very good football. Yeah, yeah. And I'd probably say all time like that. Would you have said? Are you saying when you say quality, do you mean like tactics quality of football? Or, okay. Um, and how as a unit they all bide together to yeah. ultimately play some fantastic football. Uh, and I'd probably say on player profile that Newcastle team that went back up under Benitez. Um, when they heavily reinvested in the players, I remember they were bringing mm. Matt Ritchie, a lot of Premier League names yeah. into the Championship, and went straight back it's, up. Obviously, yeah, they, they were very. It was weird that season because they were very consistent, but then they didn't necessarily play the best. I don't think mm. they were quite surprised. They were well, they're obviously surprised to win the Championship, seven points behind us with three games to go. But um, no, they were a, they were a quality team I that season. Dwight Gale doing the business that season. And yeah. Matt Ritchie was he sort of well in his element at the top of the championship. With this probably being the hardest category in the ten that was there, I actually I had one in the back of my mind ready for this, and luckily none of you have said it. Go on. So I'm going to go with Blackpool. the Reading team oh. from 2005-6. Kevin Doyle, Leroy Leiter. Kevin Doyle, Leroy Leiter, <laughs> Shane Long. Mm. Obviously, Steve that one Coppola that got like 105 points. They got the record number of points for a championship team. Someone's been on Wikipedia. 106 <laughs> points. I remember because they were actually the first season I watched. They were the newly promoted winners of the championship. So I always remember that team. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I think they stayed up that year and went down the year after. I think. Yeah. I think another another sort of honourable mention. Um, Southampton, 11-12. Yeah, Nigel uh, Atkins. Yeah, yeah, and they had Charlie. No, they didn't have Charlie Austin. Ricky Lambert, Lalana, um, yeah, Lalana Klein. Yeah. So it'd be, I think that's another team that, especially considering it was back-to-back promotions from for them. So yeah, um, yeah. they they jumped very quickly. Yeah. So I'll go with that Reading team. Obviously, a record high championship points total. Unbelievable team. Some memories that like really come back. Obviously, even in their first season in the Premier League, there's some. So. Yeah, some great players in that team. I don't, I don't team. really remember the Premier League in 2006, unfortunately. <laughs> George didn't but... watch the Premier League before Brighton got in it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they were the first like the first season I watched football. They were like the team that came up, and obviously when a team wins the championship and comes off, everyone's talking about them, and mm. you know it's it's um, they get a lot of media coverage, and obviously the Medeskis was a difficult place to go, and. They were a di- difficult team to beat. So what we'll do is, so I've gone for Reading, you've gone for Wolves. Yeah. And Jack, you went for Sheffield United. Correct. So we'll put a poll on Twitter and um, you've got about 24 hours from when the we'll, poll goes up. We'll put up. a few of the honourable mentions in as well. So, yeah. Yeah, Newcastle, um, what was the other one we said? Southampton. Wolves, Brighton were also named. Yeah. We'll see, we'll put we'll, them we'll free put on anyway. Um, let us know if you've got any different ones and let's see who wins this poll. We will do this as a bit of a little in analysis series so whoever gets the most wins in the Ooh. uh in the series will win saying, three points for first yeah three two three two for second one for last yeah why not everyone's a winner perfect yeah. Go that, on. that well that rounds up our first analysis episode back thanks for joining me lads it's, it's been, been a an pleasure. absolute pleasure mikey good stuff Oh got it. And uh, next week we will have another analysis episode, is it? You, yeah, George? so I think well, we'll have another analysis one. Obviously, we've got um, episode two of Jack's Jack's highly anticipated mini series. Indeed. Yeah. One of my um, good mates from home 
who played together in amateur football also what listened to it with his dad and said it was very funny. Perfect. Oh. And if you haven't listened to that, do Five check it out reviews. on the iTunes app and SoundCloud. Yeah, That's iTunes awesome. podcast app and SoundCloud. Perfect. Thank you for joining me, lads, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. We'll see you next week. Bye.